Welcome to Voices in Physics, a podcast that explores the culture in physics through interviews with people in the field. All right, thank you for coming in and um, talking about your experiences. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? What kind of things would you like them to know about you? Uh, sure. Uh, okay, I won't say names. Let me cut cuts out. But um, so I identify as a black male, background in engineering. Um, joined a group as an undergrad, and then the lab moved uh, to the cold weather, and uh, been here ever since um, as a material science student working with the physics group. And I have been the only black male in my group since then, uh, surrounded by a lot of uh, international students um, and a few domestic, and have experienced the struggle a lot in grad school and as a yeah, single black male growing up in the mid well, not growing up, but growing up on the, in California, then moving to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can you talk about what that transition was like? <clears> oh, <throat> it was a big transition. Well, big uh, cultural transition. So uh, my undergrad was one of like, the most diverse institutions in the U.S. Um, I'm not sure if they are anymore, but um, I believe they had over, I forgot the numbers, but they're a Hispanic serving, Hispanic mm-hmm. serving institution. So um, I believe they have over 20% Hispanics. Uh, Latinx uh, students, mm-hmm. and then I believe the numbers for African American, uh, meaning Black American and folks from Africa, the numbers are below ten percent, I believe, uh, but they're probably growing currently. Yeah, and then the white white population and the Asian population are much bigger. Right. Um, but yeah, so anyways, if uh, a lot of the UC systems, there's a lot of Asian women and men because mm-hmm. uh, it's a coastal right uh, university. Um, and a lot of Asian and white families are usually more privileged to go to college, so because mm-hmm. um, they have a lot more wealth, yeah, to be able to go pay tuition, et cetera. Right. So yeah, so when I moved out here, um, if you were to replace all the Asian international students with white people, uh, that's how I felt. Um, and it was a much bigger campus, going from about twenty thousand students to sixty thousand students, uh, population-wise. Uh, that was a big, big change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a grad student, so it was not like yeah, it's not as noticeable. Too overwhelming, yeah. Because I'm kind of like right. stuck in one building all day. So you noticed this population difference, and what was that effect on you? I don't think it was a serious effect. It was just more yeah. like adjustment. Okay, you just noticed this thing. Yeah, well, it was like I'm walking to go get lunch or go to a different building, and there's a lot less color or diversity mm-hmm. on the, on the sidewalks. Yeah, it's just like white men and white women um, mm-hmm. usually. Uh, but I kind of expected that. I didn't expect this to be like a whole Hispanic population or black population. Uh, but you do wonder, like, where all the black people are on this campus. But I, I do understand that I, I'm in the STEM area, which is like math, science, engineering. And there's not many of us mm-hmm. in these fields. Um, but what I've noticed is like a lot of the black folks on this campus are either athletes or studying something in social sciences. So, uh-huh. Which is still good. Yeah, of uh, course. We need social okay. activists, and obviously I'm a big uh, person in black liberation, so uh, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> um, can you describe one incident that made you feel particularly unwelcome, or that maybe even was a point where you felt like, maybe it's not worth it, maybe it's time to go? Well, there's plenty, so... <laughs> I know, so I'm asking you, yeah, choose one. We will. I would love to go through all of them. Well, I guess I can choose... Them. I can go like kind of my earliest incident to like more mm-hmm. recent. So like when I was an undergrad, um, I initially 
came in as an electrical engineer, and then I switched to mechanical engineering my sophomore year, and then throughout my whole undergrad, like, my grades were never the greatest, and there's probably reasons for that. One, I come from, like, a more poor background. I didn't have, like, the upbringing as, like, a lot of my privileged cl- classmates did, or, like, they had, like, um, after-school-type programs where they can, like, learn how- robotics or something, or they took, like, AP physics courses by, like, an actual physics person that had a bachelor's or a master's in physics or even PhD. Yep. Uh, where, like, my physics teacher was a PE teacher, which had no background in physics. He was actually my swimming coach when I was, like, a little kid, which was, like, so strange. But, uh, okay, yeah. And this is a huge problem in, like, uh, high schools and, like, uh, K-12 through education, like, for, like, lower-income communities, like, throughout the whole U.S. Mm-hmm. And this whole issue about, like, private education and vouchers for charter schools is just, like, this, like, white flight type thing. And taking all the middle class and, like, upper class, the building class of society is taking all their money and taking yeah. away from the lower income communities and stuff. So a lot of people that look like me or like us uh, get hurt by those things. Mm -hmm. And people ask why, like there's not a lot of diversity in these institutions and it all starts from the beginning. So anyways, uh, I forgot what my thought now. So you you moved from electrical engineering to mechanical engineering. You didn't feel like your grades were that great. Oh yeah, my grades weren't great. Uh, And there was a lot of times, because I was involved with a lot of organizations, some being like National Society of Black Engineers, there's a couple other ones, like technical societies. Um, Were you part of SACNAS at, the po- at that time? No, SACNAS is more geared towards grad students. So this oh, is interesting. Undergrad. Okay. I didn't realize. Yeah, th- you can't be an undergrad and join, but like, it was like Hispanic grad students, and like, it was kind of like, yeah, I don't feel part of this thing because I'm like a little yeah. kid. <laughs> right, I understand that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my grades weren't great, and then like, we would have like events on campus with like mentors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, actually, for, for NSBE, which is uh, National Society of Black Engineers, um, I'll go to conferences conferences every year, which they have a fall like regional conference, excuse me, and uh, they have a national convention um, in the spring. And uh, throughout my undergrad, my GPA was always below a 3.0. So like mm-hmm. every time I go to these conferences, it was like, oh, I want an internship because I want to get experience, so I can like really be excited about this field mm-hmm. and like learn what I want to do for like a career. Yeah. But every time I like try to apply for a position at these conferences or get my resume, they're just like, oh, your GPA is too low. And then, like, and then came to, like, junior year, and it's like, oh, your GPA is still pretty low. Like, you should probably think about switching majors, or you should really think about, like, dropping right. out of school. And it's just like, wow, yeah. you should think about this is not for you. And I'm like, the average GPA for an engineering student in the U.S. is 2.3. Obviously, I'm above that. But, yeah, but, like, these Fortune 500 companies, like, I remember ExxonMobil was like, oh, dude, you're dumb, like, basically. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm never going to want to work for a big oil company anyways, because you guys are destroying the planet, so... <laughs> So you, you felt like you were being judged based on your GPA, even when you were... Even even around, like, black people. So it was, like, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. the black elite kind of type thing where mm-hmm. it's, like, oh, uh, you're not good enough to be in this, like, upper class of, like, black people. Right. Uh, so it was just, like, okay, that feels kind of weird. Um, yeah, so I never got really got an internship in undergrad. I eventually applied for a program because I knew the college very well. Yeah, so I applied for this uh, China, like, exchange program. Interesting, okay. Uh, but it wasn't like a study abroad program. It was like a research program. Uh, it's called, it was through NSF. It's like, and you like basically work at an international institution in China. And I think it's at, in different countries as well. But like your PI has to apply for it. And then they select like a certain amount of students depending on how much money they have. Cool. Um, so you applied to this thing and... Yeah, applied to this thing. And then they won like diverse people or mm-hmm. a diverse, a diverse group and mm-hmm. like... Maybe like one of the black guys I know, like uh, some people in the the college, they were just like, "Oh, you should apply for this because no one else is going to apply for it." 
but like they're like, oh, we need like a black person type thing. Okay. It's so, like I applied and I got it, and like cool. I had like a what two point six GPA at the time, so it was pretty crappy. Um, uh, but I got it, and it was actually meant for like electrical engineering students. But like there was like maybe like one or two electrical mm-hmm. engineering students at the time in our program. Okay. And I was not EE; I was mechanical engineering. So like, right. I was really outside. Yeah. Uh, what the program wanted, uh, but like obviously no one applied, and then mm-hmm. that also tells you that there's like some serious disparities in demographics, um, even at a very diverse institution. So it's like there's problems. So yeah, so I went to China for a summer, and it was virtually a vacation. Uh, I didn't really do much research, but it was like, uh, it was an experience. Um, I got paid to go, and I had money on top of that, and I got to see another country. So I was like, oh, this is like, what I can do in a research lab, like travel and then uh, see the world. That's like what I want to do. So, cool. um, so I came back, and then I was like trying to join another lab. And then, so yeah, so I came back from China, then I was applying for uh, like research groups. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got like several offers because... I'm a very social person, so, like, I knew a lot of people, even though my grades were crap, but it was kind of like, I have experience, um, uh, people want diverse labs, so it was, like, a black students, and I was very, like, motivated and driven, so it was, like, I wanted to do better, but I need, like, some motivation to, like, do better. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I finally got an offer from a group, and then um, I joined their lab, and then I got in a project, um, and things went pretty well, uh, for like the first couple months on, in the group, but uh, the professor was a very strange guy. <laughs> so yeah, like I didn't really know what to expect because he was very nice to me in person. Uh, but then like when I would come in like late nights in the lab to work with the graduate students, um, he would be there. Like let's say this is like seven eight p.m., which is like you expect people to go home with their families. He would be there in the lab, like cursing out other graduate students, and. Uh, Wait. He was cursing out graduate students. Yeah, graduate students. In front of you, and you're an undergrad. Yeah, I'm an undergrad, yeah. And you've only been in this lab for maybe two or three months. Yeah, I think at the time, yeah, it's probably like four or five months, maybe. Sure, but yeah. you're pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, pretty early um, on, yeah. Okay, what, how did that make you feel? You were like, this, this seems to be a nice guy, but he's treating his graduate students horribly. He's yeah. verbally harassing them. Yeah. Well, well I was kind of like... What did you think? I mean, well, I was taken aback. I was like, I have no idea who the hell, who the hell this guy is, right? And I was right. just like, yeah, the person I met was not this guy that's just like screaming at these people. Um, and then the grass student I was with was like, oh, that's okay. Like, we all go through it. And I was like, what? <laughs> it, was, it was a normal part of their experience. Yeah. It was just like everyone has gone through it like in their first couple of years. And I was just like, this doesn't seem like healthy. Right. And he's like, oh, no, that's like grad school. So, like, if you want to go to grad school, it's kind of like what you're going to go through. And I was like, uh. How long did you work for that guy? Uh, this professor? Mm-hmm. Are you still uh, working I still work with for him, him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay. So you saw that he was, he had this behavior, which as an undergrad, that would, that would absolutely scare me off. Yeah. I think I'd be out of there. Yeah. What made you stay in the lab? Well, one, I was kind of like protected by this grad student. And I really like this grad student. Like, we're still friends now. Um, he's a very smart guy, and I learned a lot from him. And the project I was on was pretty cool, and it was like I can get on some publications, which I really wanted because that would help me get into grad school because my grades were crap. And the other reason is because this professor gave me a shot to um, Interesting. to trust me on a research project as a young student with crap grades and also work with me. So, like, it, it was very strange. Can I 
So can I, would it be fair to say that you continue to work with someone who you witnessed being verbally abusive mm-hmm. because you felt like he gave you a shot when yeah. no one else would? Yeah. And you liked the work that he was doing mm-hmm. or that was going on in his lab at That's least. Right. And that you needed. And he also paid me too. He paid you? Yeah. Well, I had work study, so I paid like half my cool. okay. income, but. And but a, l- a lot of professors don't pay their undergrads, so that's right. thing to note. But that's interesting, yeah. And then the other thing is that you needed, you you saw opportunities to get publications, which could then lead to grad school mm-hmm. when your grades weren't so hot. Yeah, that's correct. And a letter of recommendation, obviously, but and a letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And did you get all of those things? Uh, I did not get the publication, but I did end up publishing an undergrad publication. Uh, which didn't really help my grad school because it was like right before I graduated. Um, but he did help me get into, yeah, because I guess they were going to reject me, but like he was like, no. So. Okay. Um, it was basically between him and like a professor at Rice University that like wanted me. And then, but the guy at Rice University was like a theorist, and I was like, no, I don't want to do theory. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> did you ever consider switching groups? Uh, as an undergrad? As a grad student or undergrad? As a graduate student, so coming in, it was kind of like I told this professor that, like, I'm going to look at other groups. Um, but the problem was uh, I would have to start over all my projects, like, if I joined another group, which isn't a horrible thing, but it was kind of like I felt like I kind of had my foot in the door with this guy. So it was kind of like I can kind of be ahead of the game um, and probably uh, be more successful in this group as opposed to other ones. Probably a mistake looking back at it, but then – there was only like maybe one or two other professors that I would have probably been better under, but a lot of the other ones are kind of either verbally abusive as well or um, very hands off and like not around at all. So I'd have been very like struggling independent researcher. So, um, which my friends told me about. So, so yeah, it was, it was kind of like hard to choose, and it was yeah. just kind of like let me just get through this. It's temporary for or five years. So, and uh-huh. there's been several other incidents which I can get into if I want if you want me to but um, where he's like backed off a lot what do you think has made him back off <clears throat> uh, well I think students speaking out for one mm-hmm. to him directly or yeah to him directly and then there's also students that have talked to people in the department I guess like the group is relatively successful right now so he's publishing a lot of papers and mm-hmm. things are working so he's not like crazy about stuff not coming out but I see there will be a period where that happens again. So I don't think he's going to be, like, relaxed for that long. Like, but, but as far as you know, no one's made a formal no, complaint. No. I think I, people knew, like, how crazy this person was. And, like, I don't think anything would have changed even if someone said something. Like, he would just, he would just lost students, but, like, he would have gained people regardless. Cause and what do you think would have happened to the student that reported? Well, there's always a fear of, like, not graduating and then if you have to switch groups, like let's say this is like your last year of grad school and this huge incident happens, then yeah, you might have to start all over again. So Can you describe some of the other things that have happened with this particular <coughs> professor? There's been a lot, so <laughs> that, that happened specifically to you or when you were there. Let's let's limit it to that. Yeah, there's been so much. Like okay, so there's been like some awkwardness. He's a very awkward guy, so um but yeah, there's been instances where like uh, I've legit seen him like sexually harass someone. Um, what can you describe that? Well, yeah, like 
we used to have like these meetings uh, where a woman was involved. Okay, so one thing, give you some backstory. Like he picks favorites, so he plays politics in the group. So like if you're not like a yes man or yes woman to him, um, then he's not gonna like you. Like if you argue with him at all. Um, like things have changed since then, but like this is like within the last three years. So, um, but yeah, there was an incident where um, he went on a bike ride with this this girl in my group. And they came back from a bike ride, and we had a meeting of us three on projects. And they were all sweaty from the bike ride, and she was like, I need to take a shower, and I need to get dressed. And I was like, oh, you should go talk, because, like, that's a gym. There's a bathroom where you can shower, et cetera, privacy, et cetera. And then my professor, like, suggests, like, oh, no, you should get dressed right here, and I have pants for you to wear. And, like, pulls out his, like, basketball shorts and it was like extra awkward and this is like my first experience of like seeing him do like some weird stuff but I've heard previously that it was like this interaction between him and the student was very strange and she went to the bathroom to change yeah she she eventually yeah. left but okay, like making it was, sure he wasn't asking her to undress on the spot well it kind of came off like that it was very awkward and I was like what like type thing and then but I, I was like a young second year student so like I had no idea what was really going on um, and then there was another incident the same three people, including myself, uh, it was prior to one of the conferences on campus where, like, I had to write an abstract for a conference, and we all decided to, like, go outside, enjoy the weather. It was, like, May or April. And, yeah, so we were trying to write this abstract. We had, like, laptops and everything, and then um, we had, like, kind of writer's block trying to write the abstracts, so, like, we needed some help. And then uh, he's on his laptop, like, on a ledge of this, like, patio area. And then she's sitting on the floor uh, having her laptop on the uh, ledge where he's sitting on. And then she's like, I really need help because we can't figure out this thing. So he puts his laptop down on the ledge, pulls up a patio chair, and scoots right behind her. So you can imagine, like, the ledge is, like, the height of his, like... Right, right. His lap. Yeah, his lap, groin area. And her head is, like, right there. And he pulls up behind her. And then he starts, like, tapping her shoulders, like, physically, like, typing. And then he starts pulling on her hair like it's like a ponytail, like pigtail, sorry. Mm -hmm. And, like, pulling it and, like, brushing it, like, with his hand. Okay, so this is is pretty inappropriate professional behavior in which an advisor, a person in in position of authority. Sorry, I just, like, spit it right. Yeah, no, it's publicly, (laughs) yeah, it's publicly encroaching on his students personal space yeah and, and he was like so comfortable about it like it was like no problems and then like i was like gasping like awkwardly like kind of laughing but yeah. like it was very awkward and then he was like what's what's wrong what's wrong with this and like he like, spreads his leg open and like points at it and i'm like i don't know and then like he yeah like he like he's like what's wrong with this and i was like oh nothing and it was like awkward it's in public, too, and I think that's, school is still in session. That's very interesting because he obviously knows that something is wrong because yeah. you're reacting in a way that has yeah. alerted him that you are not comfortable. Yeah. And I, I had to kind of run to find my lab mate and, like, tell him because I was like, dude, this is fucking weird, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so, right, what's, what's interesting to me is that you've obviously demonstrated your discomfort. Yeah. And his reaction is to confront you. In a way that's like, what's wrong with what I'm doing right now? Yeah. And it was in public, too. Just bright, an, bright yeah. daylight, like, outside the building, people walking past. And this man is just, like, pulling on this woman's hair. That's his student or his employee. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine you're in a workplace and, like, 
your manager comes up to you and like no yeah yeah exactly that, yeah um, that's that's incredibly inappropriate yeah it's not professional inappropriate sexist what everyone call it like misogynist I don't know, it's, it can be all harassment, all harassment, harassment yeah. yeah what um and I don't care if he sees her as a daughter or whatever like that's just like dude that's your employee like do you know if you or anyone else reported this okay I plan on reporting this at some point but may I ask you what when you will you report this <clears throat> well I have a contact uh in the well she used to be in a diversity office but so you're planning to report this to her yeah after but like I've already mentioned some things to her because mm-hmm. I mean two and a half years ago like I was super stressed out because me and this person this professor was we were not getting along very well um and I was like seriously thinking about quitting grad school okay I want to talk about that in a minute but after, yeah. you, after you finish this but yeah so like I had to like meet with her um, this is like two like winters ago and then um I was like, I am serious about quitting grad school. Like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, this person's crazy. And it was a mixture of all these things. Like, the, the lab life. Like, I was working, like, 14-hour days. Um, and then these experiences and these meetings. Um, and then all my group mates knew at the time, too. So when do you plan on reporting? What are the parameters? Uh, I need to graduate. So that means, like, thesis, like, defended, signed off, and have a job. And why are you waiting? I know it's an obvious question. Well, I'm waiting because, like, like, I can do it now. Like, I'm not, there's no fear, really, like, of repercussion, but it's, like, protecting other people, too, like, careers. So it's, like, this is the reason why a lot of people have said they're going to speak out, but wait until certain people graduate. So, like, they don't, if someone gets, like, disciplined or fired, then, like, people's careers will be saved or not, so. Technically, there is a um, non-retaliation clause for reporting. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that doesn't work in graduate school? I don't know. Pr- professors have a lot of power. Like tenure, once you get tenure, like you have very strong job security. And if you're famous, if you're famous, um, is your is your advisor famous? I don't think he's famous at all. But he has some high impact papers, and he's known in his area. Yeah. But he's not like famous, famous. Like he's respected, I guess is the way to put it. But it's not like he has like twenty nation papers or something, or a Nobel Prize or something like that. Like, but he's known. But yeah, there's a lot of protection for professors and like. Uh, there's kind of like this thing that they think that they can do whatever they want. In your experience, has that kind of played out to be true? Well, yeah. Like, so I don't know how it is in like in the social sciences or anything, like how professors are, but um, in the hard sciences, uh, I think there's just like this, just this attitude of, towards uh, academia and like the student advisor relationship. One, and then two is publish or perish attitude, and then three is like yeah, bringing money in. So it's like. I respect people that, like, do this stuff and really do it for science. Um, but there's people that just, like, want to compete and then, like, don't really care about the other or working collectively or anything. They just care about their own egos. And then that creates, like, this weird hierarchical structure and uh, where the professor's always protected because they got to protect their, their wealth and capital and what they bring in for the university, et cetera. Um, it's not really protecting, like, the science and ethics or whatever. Like, you got, you got to think about labor. That's, that's like, the biggest thing. This is why I'm like so like left and socialist because yeah. <laughs> us as students, we produce, we work so fucking hard as uh, student workers. We're not just students, we're our student workers. So there's fucking two words there. Uh, we are part of the working class in this country as well. And we are creating a lot of surplus value for science and uh, academia and researchers to take our stuff and bring this to industry or uh, national labs as well. Um, and we are paid shit for it. 
And yeah, it's bullshit, the system. So <laughs> I sense a lot of frustration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So can we go back to. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, no. This is good. So you talked about you had this moment maybe two winters ago where you wanted to quit grad school. Yeah. You really felt like you were you'd hit a, a, a real point at which you couldn't continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say you were working 14 hour days. Right. How long was that going on for? Like, was um, probably that like a year and a half. You were working 14 hours a day for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> that is so incredibly unhealthy. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's so unsustainable. I don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then you talked about these meetings. So what was going on in these meetings that made them so intolerable? Uh, well, there's multiple meetings. So now they're not like that anymore. But back in that time, the old days, not really the old days, but uh, the group is notorious for meetings. So the reason why we work 14 hour days is because we have like 20 hours of meetings. I'm being that's not serious, but OK, yeah, you spend like five or six hours a day in an office or a conference room. Like talking about projects or the professor talking about students that he hates. So it's like... Excuse me, what? Sorry. Yeah, like gossiping. Students so, in his group or students yeah, in students the department? Yeah, students in his group. Yes. Was he saying it to Na- them? No, he will... So it's either we're in like a little small meeting where he will like talk shit on a student that's not there or talk shit on a student to the other students that are there. And then like one example, one of my lab mates that just graduated... He had okay grades, but, like, they were, like, not great, I guess. And the physics program pretty tough, so, like, a lot of people fell out. So, yeah, so he had, like, pretty tough pretty tough time. And then, like, there was a semester where he had, like, pretty bad grades. But bad means, like, a B minus or something like that or a B. It's bad in grad school. Um, yeah, standards, I know. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so he had, like, one semester where he, like, did bad. And he had to retake a course or something like that. And our professor sends out an email to all the people in the group about this student's grades and like put some up yeah did he did he include the the student's grades did he violate that student's confidentiality i don't think he said like the specific grade but he said like he has bad grades maybe i don't remember but but yeah he put him on blast and like basically used him as an example for like other students like not fail and was like really pissed off and then did the same thing at like a group meeting where like he had a he had this like form or sheets that like tells you how to be successful in the group. Mm-hmm. And like each instance is like some incident that happened in a group for a certain student. So it's like, you must listen to the professor for blah, blah, blah. You must get good grades. You must blah, blah, blah. Like there's like multiple things. And it's like for a specific incident that happened with a specific student. So like he would be like, oh yeah, this was that student. This was that student, et cetera. So, so this was a meeting and like he like specifically called out this person um, and it was like so disrespectful. That sounds incredibly. But this, okay, keep in mind too. This is like one of the best students that we ever had in the group. Like he like built the whole lab. Right. That as a, he's a he's a very accomplished. Accomplished, yeah. And like he doesn't have like nature papers, but like he's like built all of our lab up. Like things would not be running Without if it wasn't him. for him. And his professor is humiliating him in front yeah. of the entire group. How did that? What was that effect on you? I don't know. Like at that time, I was still young, so like uh, I was kind of like. I don't know. Like, there's, like, that young student, like, jittery feeling where, like, oh, you think the professor's right about everything? Yeah. And did uh, you, her, were you still taking classes at the time? No, I was, because remember, I just moved, well, at this time, I had moved, um, I was, like, a second year, so I was done with everything. Okay. Can this you talk, same, yeah, yeah, can you talk more about these meetings, what else was going on? Well, they're different every time, but, like, 
Yeah, so like there's been meetings where like we have like a journal club, so we have to present like a paper like once a week or twice a week. Uh, it's like a different student every two weeks or something. And there was this student, um, which uh, he's a Chinese student, and uh, his English wasn't great, but like very nice guy, very smart guy, one of my good friends, I would say. Um, and he presented something on like a very hard like theory, I guess, but like my professor knew it pretty well. But, like, I, I didn't really know that well. But, like, some students were, like, relatively new and were just like, yeah, I don't know shit about this. Mm-hmm. And then he presents, like, these equations. And you're like, oh, what does that, what does that one, like, symbol mean in that equation? And then he tries to explain it. And then he explains it in his own way. But, like, the professor's like, that's fucking wrong. Yeah, he's like, kind of like, that's wrong. And then, like, like he's kind of, like, barky about it, right? Like, that's wrong. And then I think the professor tries to, like, walk the student through it. And the student's like, okay, I'm not going to figure this out right now. And then, like... And then the professor's like, oh, okay, well, you guys all have to do, like, homework to figure this thing out. And it's, like, some equation. Okay. But no one does it because it's, like, that's a waste of fucking time. Like, um, I'm not working on this project. Like, why the hell am I trying to learn this shit? So there's that. So that was, like, not horrible. But, like, we just sit in there for, like, one hour or maybe one or two hours to, like, deal with the professor, like, kind of getting pissed off that no one knows this thing. I see. Um, but there, there was another time where this, uh, this woman student... Um, she gave a talk on another like theoretical physics thing and she thought like she really knew it, but like it was pretty obvious that she didn't. So she goes through it and it's like two or three papers, something like that, like theory papers. And like, and this was like a concept that like all of us in the group like knew we would never get completely. And our professor like really wanted all of us to get it, but like we would never get it. It was like a six hour meeting going over like, like block waves or something like that for this thing and it was just like oh you guys don't understand anything was it literally six hours it was at least yeah at least four to six hours time frame like we were in this conference room for a long time yeah yeah because you would like ask person by person like can you explain this thing can you explain this yeah i mean so my reaction to that is that that's a waste of time it is yeah and again like you said this is part of why your days were 14 hours long so it seems incredibly disrespectful yeah um, it doesn't sound like it was very productive. Oh, not at all. Yeah, so I guess this meeting is like, okay, he starts like lecturing all of us like on the chalkboard. And then he would come back and sit down, like get pissed off again and like ask everyone like what's on the chalkboard. And like we're all just like, I have no fucking clue. And then there'll be like one student that's like, oh yeah, I get this little thing here, but like I don't really understand it, but like I'm gonna act like I do. And like I'm a material science student, so I don't know shit like about like quantum physics or anything. Like I know a little bit, but like, I know what a Hamiltonian is, but, like, I never really solved one because, like, I never really had to. So, like, but, like, people that study physics is, like, okay, I got two classes to do this stuff. But, and I'm just, like, well, I don't really need it for material science. Like, I just need, I need to understand the basics, but, like, not, like, go into depth. But, yeah, he would get, like, really pissed that, like, I don't understand it. And I'm, like, dude, I didn't take these classes. Like, sorry. Like, fuck off, you know? I didn't say these words, but, like. Obviously, yeah. And then my lab mate um, that's been graduated now, he was just, like, he fucking hated my professor at the time. Like, they never got along. Like, he tried to kick him out of the group, like, multiple times. And he was just, like, on his phone the whole fucking time. And, like, the professor would be like, hey, like, what's the answer? And he's just like, uh. And, like, he took, like, 10 seconds too long. And then my professor was like, okay, someone else. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, it just comes this thing. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, All right. Like, I look back at it and laugh now. But, like, at the time, it was, like, 
really like frightening. It's frightening and it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Everyone's overworked, exhausted, and being abused on a daily basis. Yeah. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. But when we look back at it, we're like, oh yeah, it was so like stupid. But like. No, but when you're <laughs> in it, when you're in it, it's not ridiculous. Yeah, like, yeah. Where you're like, um, your heart's like pounding and shit, and you're just like, uh, like you want to like run away. Like, how do I get out of the situation like right now? So I don't think get asked a question type thing. And uh, yeah, it's okay. like very annoying. So what else was going on at the time that made you want to leave grad school? Oh, uh, so um, I was working on a project with this female student, and she was supposed to be mentoring me for this project because another student had left the group. The woman that left the group, she did not like my advisor as well and did not enjoy the environment in the group as well, um, which a lot of people have left the group because of that same exact reason. So at the time, I was like working with this person, um, but she had left, and then it was kind of like, who's going to work on this project? It was not a funded project, so like I did not have to take it over, but like my professor was like, um, oh, I should do it because like, he's not doing anything else. And actually, there was a project that I want to work on because uh, there was a chamber that like I was working on uh, with another group um, in collaboration, and I really want to work on some projects with that chamber. Um, but he decided, like, no, you you don't deserve to be on that chamber for some reason. Sorry, you don't deserve. Well, to he be? didn't say this, but like, okay. it was like some weird interaction where like he felt like he had no control over that system because there was another professor working on it as well. So he wanted like full control of his students, like. Work. Okay, is this a common thing where he prevents students from collaborating with other groups? Yes. So anyway, you're working on this project with a student on something that maybe you're not 100% interested in. Well, the the thing was, I was going to make samples for the student, and then she left the group, so it became like 100% my responsibility for the whole project. So I had, to, I had to build a chamber. So like I spent like virtually my first like nine months building. And then once the chamber was operational, then I was making samples for this project. And then she left, and then it was like, okay, got to make samples, characterize them, and now do this actual, like, science project. Um, so that was actually a lot of work for me. So that's another reason why my days were long. So I was like, I had to make samples, and then the next day measure their magnetic properties, and then do this, like, measurement, which required me to make a device, which I had to spend, like, nights in the clean room, and then have it sample ready by next day. And then he would set up, like, deadlines, like, every meeting where, like, I had to present, like, some results from the project. And if I had nothing, then he'd get, like, really pissed. Well, what would, he, what would you do if you, if you showed up with nothing? Well, he would just... It would be, like, this very awkward silence. And uh, anything I would say, like, he would just ignore. And then um, he would be kind of, like, barky, like, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Like, and I'd be like, oh, this certain thing happened, blah, blah, blah. And then this this senior student that I was working with, like she never like really protected me. Like she kind of did, sort of, but like she would always protect herself first. So it was more like I only care about you. I only care about by myself. So, so like if you do well, I will say it's I did that. But like if you do horrible, I'm gonna say it's your fault type thing. So you can kind of see where this is leading to. So like the project was very like micromanaged. Like every three months, I would actually be doing pretty well on the project because like I was working so fucking hard. Um, and then, like, I have some data that, like, looks promising for, like, possibly a publication. And then he would change up the project completely and be like, no, I want to look at this one thing. And I'm like, dude, you just told me to look at this other thing, like, three months ago. Like, why the hell am I switching this up now? 
And then it's happened like repeatedly like for a full year. He would switch it up. Why yeah. do you think that was? Well, his opinion was, oh, I thought you were doing well. So like I wanted to get a better publication because like things were going well. I see. And in my eyes, I was like, why don't we build up to that big publication when we know everything will work instead of just like starting from scratch every fucking three months. And so the, there's, to me, that sounds like sort of poor management. It is very poor management. <laughs> At um, your expense. Yeah. So keep going. What what else is going on in this project? I don't know. This is like maybe two years ago or three years ago. Uh, there was a conference where he told me to submit an abstract, and I told him like several meetings before the conference, obviously when we submit abstract, like I don't have any data. And uh, he was like, no, I want you to submit an abstract anyways. And then I was like, dude, this is a pretty high, like... Exposure, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty conference. Well, that's a pretty well-attended conference. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like all experts from the field, and I'm like, I'm not going to go embarrass myself. Um, he was like, no, you're going to submit something. And I guess, okay, so there's something to do with that too. So, and my old lab mate talked about this. Like, he was like, oh, like, he doesn't really care about these. Like, So we have like a kind of diverse group. At the time we did. So we had like an Egyptian student. We had myself. We had like a couple of Chinese students. We had a couple of white students and some women. And I was only a black student. And for some reason, he would really try to like professionally develop, in quotation marks, uh, uh, his like underrepresented students. But it was kind of weird the way he was doing it. Like he would micromanage them. So me and a female student were getting very micromanaged on our projects. Um, not the not the Chinese one, but the this other white woman in my group. And um, but like these like other white students in the group, like they had probably more data than I did at the time. Uh, but he didn't want them to submit abstracts for these conferences. So it was very weird. And he was just like, oh, I'll make you do it. Are you saying that he was doing it because he wanted to show that he had a black student? Kind of. Okay. But I don't know if he was thinking that way. I don't know, really. I can't really put everything together. But, like, there was something to do with being unrepresented and him trying to show exposure, like, I have diversity or something like that. I don't know. But um, not sure. But kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, so I had to write this abstract. And, like, I didn't know what I was writing. It was, like, all bullshit. And then, so I had another conference I went to before the MMM conference, which is the NSBP conference, which is the National Society of Black Physicists. I had just gotten my project to work, and I had all the data for, like, my poster that I was going to present. And then my advisor comes in the lab, like, late night. This is, like, probably, I don't know, midnight or something. And he's like, oh, you got it, dude. And then, like, gives me, like, this awkward high five. And I was just like, I'm not going to high five you right now. This is, like, really awkward. But, yeah, I did this all by myself, like, Keep in mind, I was gonna work with this. I was supposed to be working with a senior student, but like she didn't help me at all. Like, she did a little bit here and there, but like she was just gonna take credit for like what I did. And yeah, so like I was like working very isolated by myself in a dark room because it's like an optics lab. So yeah, like I got very frustrated, and then I finally got this data, and I got presenting at this black physics conference, and then I got an offer for an internship. So at this time, I'm like, oh my god, my first internship type thing, you know? And yeah. Then, uh, and then someone wants me, so, like, maybe this could be a postdoc, like, after I graduate. Because the, the summer before, I had an offer for Air Force Lab. And then um, my advisor didn't let me go because he was, like, you're too young, and I want you to spend more time in the lab, which makes sense. But you should also allow your students to get exposure to, like, careers they want to go, career paths they want to go to. So um, whether it be through collaboration or internships, et cetera. Um, and, like, there's not much of that in my group because he wants everyone to be professors. So, um, so this sounds like a high point. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, so, like, I got the data 
presented it, and then I got uh, this offer at, because I met the scientist there at this conference. And then I go to MMM to present this data at the Magnetism Conference, which is like more important. And then when I'm presenting my poster, this my professor comes around, um, when I'm talking to some like really uh, high-profile scientists like in industry or academia, and I'm trying to explain my poster, and like he like completely interrupts me and like starts explaining it himself, and I got like pretty ad- ad- aggravated because I'm like, dude, like I know what's going on, like you don't have to like cut me off just because I'm not saying something that you want to say, and it just made, made me look like a dumb student type thing, so that pissed me off. That's one thing. So just so I have the timeline correct. When you talked to this person who is sort of a mentor figure outside of physics and told her, I've had enough, did this mm-hmm. happen before or after? This is after uh, MMM. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, this is interesting because, like, you get your project working, you have this yeah. massive breakthrough moment. Yeah. You get this offer, so you have this outside validation. Yeah, and this is fall 2016, I think. Okay. So this is probably, like, right after the election, I think. Oh, so everything was right. going like shit for me. <laughs> Oh man, that was a horrible time. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Me, yeah I'm pretty sure that was fall 16. Cause. Okay, so there was yeah. So on top of that, on top of that, we've just elected Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your professor interrupts you when you're presenting your yeah. poster to someone who you would have liked to have impressed with your own yeah, of course expertise. Mm-hmm. Did you ever confront him about that? Uh, no. I'm not saying you should have. I'm just yeah. Well, this happened, and then. Uh, and then another incident happens. This is like in late November, but uh, let's continue on till December. Um, we're like, I'm still working on this project, and I'm getting actually some really good data on some stuff. I'm trying to think. Something happens like towards the end of like December, where I was about to leave for vacation, and like he was gone already. And he calls me and was like, "Hey, how's your project going?" Because at this time, like he used to like call and text students like all the fucking time. And it was very annoying because, like, it was, like, kind of like Big Brother watching you the whole time. So, like, you can never really get rest. You'd always be working. So, yeah, we got in this, like, huge, like, argument over the phone um, over my project. About what? Like, the project direction or what? Yeah, well, like, he was thinking about a different direction for the project because, like, he's he would go to conferences and then, like, be motivated by someone else that is doing something better than him. And then he'd be like, oh, I'm going to have my student change his project completely. So, like, yeah, then he was like, oh, we should grow this new material and like do this different type of way to do the measurement and I was like oh my god and then and then we got an argument about some science thing like I found some paper and like he would ask me like questions like about it and I'm like well I didn't dive deeply into the paper I just thought it was exciting and then we get this huge argument over the projects and uh I think this is on one night where like every machine I was working on was breaking and I was like already frustrated like to the point where like I was gonna like scream and then um, and then just for him to like call me on the phone, like basically say like, "Oh, I'm disappointed," blah blah blah. And then is that what he said? Virtually, yeah. Like I don't remember the exact words. This is like two years ago, so I don't remember everything. What was he disappointed by? Just like I don't know the progress of the project, or it was going well, but like in my mind, but for him, it's like, oh, not what he wants. You know, like he he wanted like a high profile paper, but keep in mind this project was in an area that like there are already heavy hitters in the field where like we're not gonna compete very well if we're just stepping our toes inside. Um and I knew that but he for some reason didn't think that way. So it was just like stupid and then Yeah, it's so, like at this time like our relationships are getting strained and then Yeah, we had an end of the oh, okay. I think there's a lot of stuff going on this time. Okay. Yeah, we had an end of the year meeting. I think that's before this phone call. Um and then 
he had a weird, very weird meeting. Um, you know, it was a very weird meeting. Um, it was like about race, basically. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, let's wrap up the year, say like what good things we've done, etc. And then towards the end of the meeting, he's like, oh, I have this like article I want to present to you guys uh, that I present to my for, or my undergrads earlier today or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the title. It was like um, it was on Black News. Some black news uh, website or journal and our newsletter. And uh, it was like, my white friend wants to know my black opinion on white privilege or something like that. Or white supremacy. I forgot the exact name, but it was like some Facebook posts that like, some her friend, her white friend wrote. Okay, so there's yeah. the, there was an article. Yeah, there's an article. And then he takes like, some ex- excerpts from it, like things that like relate to him somehow. Okay. And it was like, it was, it was a really good article, but like, the way he interpreted it was like the wrong fucking way. And I forgot the exact excerpts he took from it, but like he was like at the end of the article he was reading, he was like, so the gist of the thing, I want all of you guys to act more white or be more like white men. And he's like, oh, let me explain myself. Like there's this professor and this professor and in meetings, like they say these things that like are completely wrong, but like everyone believes them because they're white. So I try to give him some benefit of the doubt. I'm like, I don't think he really meant it in the way he said it. Like, need to be more white men. Like, I understand there's a thing called white privilege where, like, these things happen. Where, like, but he was, he was suggesting, but he was suggesting that we need to adapt to be a white person, right? Which is like the wrong fucking way. Yeah, you're you're, interpreting it. Your means of success are to imitate white male. Yeah, which is complete, utter bullshit. Whatever that is. Yeah. I think word got around that, like, this meeting happened and some people got really pissed. And some professors, like, found out about it, too. And, yeah, so I think around this time, that happened. And I think uh, one of my postdocs was pregnant. And uh, he virtually fired her. He says it wasn't because she she was pregnant, but, like, it's basically because she was pregnant because, like, she can't work. So uh, he basically told her to join another group. And he'll still fund her, like, partially, but he was like, yeah, you're not, like, useful, basically. Like, he, he didn't say these things, but, like, that's what it looked like completely like, on paper and everything. So it just looked so bad. So all of these things happened in the course of about two months. Yeah, it's probably like from November till like February next year, probably. Okay, so March. maybe three or four months. Yeah. Okay. And that's you, when you start feeling like I've had enough. Yeah. I need to get out of here. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think at the time, yeah, I was like very frustrated, and I think I was getting very, uh, like, very uh, uh, rebellious, I guess. Like, I wouldn't listen to him. I would ignore his texts. I would ignore his phone calls. Um, if I went to meetings, I'd be very quiet or, like, ignoring him. Yeah, I just, like, kind of gave up. And then, actually, over the time of Christmas break, after this meeting and all this arguments and stuff, I had been working on this other project on the side and had my lab mate measure some samples for me over the break. When I came back, I had some, like, really good data from, like, this measurement that happened. I showed this data to my advisor, and, and he got really, really excited, and then... Eventually, wrote this into a paper. Um, I spent a whole year on this project, so it was like really exciting. But um, this is like the, actually the first time I really had a good time, like in the lab. Yeah. So it wasn't until like early 2017 that I started like getting happier. Yeah. That's way to put it. So because um, I had a project working, and then the relationship with my advisor was kind of getting better in a sense, um, but it wasn't like perfect. It was kind of like I had all this baggage already, so it was kind of like whatever. But it was easier to work with him because like I had more control of the project because. I kind of discovered this thing. It was kind of my idea type thing. 
where like the other stuff he was like in full control of. So yeah, so twenty seventeen was not that bad of a year for me. But uh, but somewhere in here you you felt like you wanted to quit grad school. This is in that December. So this is like after that meeting and uh, I think around this phone call incident. Yeah. Uh, that I mentioned. And what made you stay? Um, I don't know. I just didn't want to quit type thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of prideful for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, I went all the way out to, it was either I quit grad school completely and get a job or switch groups. Not to switch groups and decide not do it here. Um, but I had been talking to professors, how can I transfer and, like, switch groups, like, immediately. And I tried to figure out a plan. Uh, but no one really, like, helped me out. Um, to the extent where they can help me like, do Actually that plan. Do it, yeah. yeah. So it seems like you're talking about this paper. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Did something happen in the process of trying to get that published? Uh, not really. It was took a while to get published because like, I left for the summer for this internship. Um, and then last, so 2017, December, we had like another end-of-the-year meeting. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of us kind of ganged up on my advisor and like went off on him. What did you What did you say? Well, I basically told him all the things that you kind of mentioned. Uh, I kind of mentioned to you not this sexual harassment stuff that I mentioned earlier, but like the micromanagement of this previous projects and uh, like what he did to me and all the stuff. And that's interesting. So you all confronted him. Yeah, but like he took mine mostly to the heart. Like he felt like super offended because he was like, "Oh, like I didn't think that way at all about this project," and like everything else everyone said to him, like he ignored completely. Like. I called him a, a micromanager, and he got like, super offended that I called him that. Interesting. And he was like, "I'm not a micromanager," and he got like, he got like so pissed. But he like took me out to lunch and all this crap, and he's like, "I don't want our relationship like getting like deteriorated, like other students." And I was like, "I don't hate you, but like what I said was true. Like you were not treating me like a person. Um, you were like, yeah, completely controlling like everything I did. And I had no independent thought." at all right so but yeah so like since then he's kind of backed off like there's been spikes here and there but like yeah since that last year last december meeting he's kind of like backed off a bit um and i've interacted with him much less so let's let's maybe end on on a high note to some extent like what what attracted you to this field in the first place to material science or yeah or science in general uh, well, for engineering, like, I was into, like, cars and stuff when I was in high school. And I've always been fascinated by, like, engineering in general. But my initial thing was, like, I want to make money. So, like, engineering was, like, obvious route to, like, take care of my family. Interesting. Okay. Uh, like, I think differently now. But, like, at that time, it was, like, I, I, my, my family's poor type thing. So I need to, like, do a career that's going to take care of them and myself. But, like, got me, what got me into, like, material science, like, how I switched out of engineering kind of um, was working in this lab for one and like really looking at like atomic materials, seeing atoms, uh, being able to like manipulate them. The science, yeah. Yeah, like, very sciencey things yeah. and like, uh, and the careers too. It's just like, I can do so much like doing research and stuff too, so. Did you have any role models like professors, high school teachers? Uh, I've had mentors. I don't know about a role model. Like were there... Were there people that influenced how your sense of belonging in the field? Or are there, okay, let me, <laughs> there's, let me there's phrase people, it. There's people that, like, yeah. pushed me to go to grad school, which were not necessarily, like, PhD people. They were just, like, mentors throughout undergrad and, like, said I should do this because, like, there's a huge hole in our communities that, like, there's not many black PhDs out there. 
Because at first I didn't want to go to grad school for a PhD. I wanted to just get like an MBA and be like some like manager or some shit and make a lot of money. I had this very like, yeah, capitalist type mentality and just like I want to shit on everyone making a lot of money. But then that's changed a lot now. So <laughs> yeah, it's mostly mentors. Like I don't see anyone as like a role model. Like I don't look at some professor and be like, oh, I want to be you. Like I see myself as my own person. Yeah, not I can't say in science. There's role models like in like black culture and stuff like that. That's, that's like obvious, but like. Like for scientific things, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I it, it's tough. Yeah, I can't, I can't really answer that question. But do you believe? Do you feel like you belong in the community? And what? Where does that come from? Uh, I don't think I belong in the community. Well, I don't feel like I belong. I guess the way to put it. Like, okay. why? Why not? I don't know. It's just uh, I, I I don't know. That's I don't know how to answer that question. Um, like I feel like I'm a part of it in a sense where like I'm working towards the same goal as other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel like I'm recognized in that community as a scientist. Like, as a student, like, you're not really recognized. Like, it's mostly the professor. Okay. It takes credit for all your work, right? So, like, I have a pretty high-profile paper, but, like, you don't see people, like, emailing me or calling me, like, oh, I want to collaborate or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would like, be kind of rare for a grad student. Like yeah, this. right, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, okay. like, it's that sense of belonging. But if you're talking about, like, just, like, in, like, a student community or something like yeah. that, I don't know. I don't really feel that as well. <laughs> really? And, and why? Well, I feel really isolated, like, in my group or even at this university. Like, one, I'm not a student here, so um, I don't have access to all the resources like students do. Yeah. Like, the only community I possibly have is, like, uh, like the the lab, the user facility lab I work in where I have, like, a lot of, like, friends that work in there mm-hmm. um, that I've been working with, like, the past two years. Um, but it's, like, I don't know, f- four or five people maybe. I see. Um, but it's because we all do the same technique and, like, we're kind of, like, I'll cool with each other and chill, so. Uh, but besides that, like, not really. Interesting. All right, well, thanks for sitting down. Um, we can wrap up here. Um, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out about the project, please send an email to voicesinphysicspodcast at gmail.com. 